gents, it's that time. Turn up your speakers, strap on a smile. It's the Sims and Lepko Podcast. Here's your host, Adam Lepko and Chris little throwback I for no episode 160. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I like it. I'm glad. We need to bring that back every now and then. All right. Every now it, it and then. Good. Shout out to Alice. Yes. Alice Williams voiced that, former employee. No disrespect to Rod Simba. Yeah, no disrespect. To, I had no idea that was going on. What yeah. that showed me is how much of a control freak I am. I like had a twinge on the back yeah, of my you, neck. I yeah, you were about to get mad. Like, I was, I, what I is this? Was, well, I thought it was like they hit the wrong file, but that was you. Yeah. Fendrick. Yeah, look at you producing the podcast. Hey, so, yeah. 60, we are not only are going to have Fendrick here for the whole time. Potentially. No guarantees. But we're going to get a lot of time. I have to go on radio at 530, Josh. so I'm out of here. If, uh, okay, let's screw you. So I'm the only one that wants a three-hour podcast? <laughs> yes, all the time. And the, the YouTube only commenters. People the, on YouTube are I'm like, amazed. Fendrick. I'm amazed. How can you people that listen to us like us that much? What is wrong with you people for liking us and listening to us that long? We have a lot to get to. We are going to get to the Patriots cook trade in our own way. We are bringing back the out of left field hat so we can have random questions throughout the time. We're also going to have a few other segments, including uh, favorite quotes of the last two days. Uh, we are going to do a new segment called Adam Lefko Steals His Neighbor's Newspaper and brings certain topics to Sims because he thinks there's fun. So right. I'm gonna steal one newspaper a week from my neighbor. Wow, that's that's against the law. That's stealing mail. That's a federal if offense. If you don't pick up your newspaper by noon, it's my newspaper. <laughs> and fill in time with Phil Sims. Phil will be back. And of course, we're gonna get to your cornerback breakdowns. We have a lot of fans Man, that have submitted their good. cornerback breakdowns. It's a, it's a great. It's another great discussion of positions. It really you're, is. I, uh, I have a feeling that you're again shocked at how some people are deemed to be really good. I I, I am always at this position, and there's some other guys too that. I, we'll get into it. I don't even know how I have them ranked yet. I'm going to talk it out and rank it with That's you. That's what people ooh, like. We'll do right, it live. I as think long as that we're like going to call our scouting segments, Are You Even Watching? Because <laughs> what happens is Sims watches three games of each and then goes, Are You Even Watching? Right. How did we get here with Sam Darnold? Right. Like, I mean, the, the, the Are You Even Watching conversation for me right now would start with DJ Chark at LSU. I right, mean, That's why receiver. Yeah. I just want to say that. Like, the, to me, like, Okay, 6'3", 200 pounds, fastest guy in the draft, great route runner, running by everybody in the SEC, great at adjusting the ball down the field, but not talked about in the first round. That just, it blows my mind. But yet, like, guys like Kelvin Benjamin and Josh Dotson and Brashad Perryman are... Like I, that's where I go. Brashad Perryman had what I like to call the old pro, the old uh, pro day bump. Right. When you run at a pro day and then everyone's like, it's the last thing they saw, and he ran like a four two. I know. But yeah. this guy runs four two on the field. He's one of the best punt returners in the draft. I mean, it's yeah, that's, and he went to LSU. And he went to LSU. Sounds like kind of like we've I seen know. freaky athletes from that school. I don't know. Sixties. Uh, Sixties. Whoa, Chucky B. Good Chuck, old Chucky Benaric. Chuck Benaric. Fendrick, pop quiz. What was Chuck Begnarik's nickname? No idea. Concrete Charlie. Oh, I wouldn't have came up You didn't up know with that either? No, I knew it, but I wouldn't have came up Hall with of it. Fame, Hall of Fame center linebacker, five-time AP, uh, all-pro, two-time Super Bowl champ, or 
excuse me, NFL champion right. with the Philadelphia Eagles. Knocked Frank Gifford out of football for like a year and a half. Yeah. It was awesome. Uh, Chucky B, Tommy Nobis. Did you put Tommy Nobis in, the great Texas linebacker that wore number 60? No. Nope. How about Brad Benson, the left tackle for the 1986 Super Bowl champion New York Giants? How about nope. that? You didn't put that in? Nope. How dare you? Damn, I have some 60s I played with, and I can't think of their names right now. I'll fill Damn. the time with my boy, all legs and ass team. For the university, for Rutgers University, right. Ramel Meekins. Take a look at his ass. Sack and Brian Brown there in 2006. It looks That's all right. It, it looks, looks all right. I mean, I mean, it's Rutgers. So. It is Rutgers. He's in a position to where your legs and ass would look. I mean, you might look like you have legs and ass in that position. I look at his but, thighs. But you're right. I'm seeing other pictures to support yeah, it. They're yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Anyway, Ramel Meekins, D-tackle yeah. for Rutgers. It's good. That's about all my 60s I got. I Current almost said, 60s. What are you going to say? I almost said University of Rutgers, which uh, is not heard correct. Yeah, a little rusty, yes. a little rusty. Nobody Fendrick's cares. excited about his time on the mic today. <laughs> I am. I'm going to talk a lot. Uh, Ari Quanjo uh, of the Washington Redskins. Yeah. TJ, J- These are the centers. Right. TJ Johnson of the Bengals. Oh. Graham Glasgow of the Lions. Mm-hmm. David Andrews of the Patriots. Max Unger of the Saints. Ben Jones of the Titans. Who's the best of that bunch? Unger? Uh, wait, all right, say them again. Unger, TJ Jones. Johnson, Gra- Glasgow, Andrews, Unger, Jones. Oof, that's a pretty good group right there, actually. I thought so, too. Yeah. I would probably go with Unger. Okay. But Jones and, and, and even the kid up in Detroit, Glasgow. Glasgow. They're, they're I good. think Detroit is going to have a sneaky good O-line now that they don't have Decker out for the first eight games like yeah, he missed sure. last year. Right. Uh, two right guards currently, A.J. Can of the Jaguars, mm-hmm. Connor McGovern of the Broncos, and right tackle Daryl Williams of the Panthers. Uh, some throwbacks from the 60s, the Titans-Jets' Larry Grantham was a linebacker. Uh, back in the 70s and 80s for the Rams, right guard Dennis Hara, and then a Defensive end in the in the went from seventy eight to ninety. Al Bubba Baker was oh. a AP Defensive Rookie of the Year, three time Pro Bowler. Uh, Sean O'Hara. Oh damn! Rock sixty for the Giants. Easter. Are yeah. you? Are you? And then which one of these guys was better? Right. DeBrickashaw Ferguson mm-hmm. wore sixty. Yeah. Or Chris Samuels from the Washington Redskins was their left tackle. Yeah. I always knew he was great because when I played Madden in that era, he was always like 97, 98, he 97. He was pretty damn good. Yeah. Samuels or DeBrickashaw Ferguson? I think as a total career, I'd go Samuels. I think he had a he little had more, more pro bowlers. Yeah, more size and strength than DeBrickashaw. DeBrickashaw was really good. I mean, he was a franchise left tackle, uh, but it was all athleticism. I mean, he had a good anchor, but he wasn't quite the powerful man Samuels was. Uh, what is amendment number two, Sims? Kyle Shanahan's our, our favorite, favorite coach. coach in the NFL. Uh, first question, yeah. only question. Only question. What do you think Kyle is thinking about? With all these Rams moves right now. <laughs> so the Rams have gone uh, out. Indomitian Sue, Marcus Peters, Akib Tlaib. Now they trade and get Brandon Cooks. Right. In addition to all the great guys they already had. Aaron Donald is practicing against knives. Practicing against right. knives. What do you think Kyle Shanahan's thinking about all this? Josh, how would you feel if like your good friend was the head coach of like your arch nemesis? <laughs> and I'd be fucking pissed. Right. And he has a good team and I'd his be team really gets pissed. more aggressive, right? Sorry. Uh, hey, watch, watch, your language. watch your language. How dare you speak like I'd that? I'd be not sleeping well. Right. I'd be staying late at the office. Right. I mean... I, Again, we've talked about this before. This is more you guessing. What yeah, you think yeah. This doing. is me. Gu- this is just me knowing both of them. Yes. I mean, there's a competitiveness here that I am so excited to see going <laughs> forward. I mean, this this has the potential for me to be the greatest rivalry in the NFL here sometime in the next. Not only because they're talented, they have money, they got players coming. San Francisco's a year or two they behind. Both have young quarterbacks, right? So there's so many. And then oh, we. 
play each other twice a year and they live in the same state and you know one guy coached under the other guy for a number what of years. Ki- what kind of competitiveness? Are we talking like Harbaugh Schwartz like running up to each other? No, no, or like more a more healthy respect of like I, I think both guys really like each other. They like the person. They'd love to hang out and have beers together, but they want to make sure they're the first one to win a playoff game or win a Super Bowl or my whatever question it may is be. if you went yeah. out to dinner with McVeigh and Kyle right. and let's say it was pretty like cool. Yeah. Do you think when you left, both of them might text you and be like, "How about that asshole?" No, not okay. at all. Neither way. No, I think they truly like each other. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's not none of that. Um, yeah, I mean, McVeigh's more likely to text you and go, "Hey, that was a nice dinner. Good to see you. See you soon, man." Yeah. Kyle's not going to send you anything. He's just like, "I'll oh, talk to you later, bro. See ya." Kyle's be like, "Just yeah. pick up the check. See you later, bro." Hey, they're uh, picking up the check if I'm at the dinner with them too. What cash? Yes. I mean. Let's get to the trade. Oogie. Patriots, Rams. I have cooked up some questions for the Patriots, Rams trade. Uh, just hear the details. Patriots get the 23rd pick. Mm-hmm. Rams, of course, get Brandon Cooks. The Patriots now have the 23rd pick, the 31st pick, the 43rd, and the 63rd. Right. But really, three in the top 43 is pretty amazing. Right. This is the Rams offense. Goff, Gurley, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. Everett and Higby. Those are all of the weapons that they have. And that's not even including Tavon Austin. Yeah. Like, I'm not even putting him on their roster. I know. Right. And they have some backup running backs that have talent as well. They're, they're but it's pretty awesome. They're going for it. I mean, they're going for it. It made me, though, think of a story. When I first moved to Kentucky, I bought a dresser Mm -hmm. and I bought it for like $100 off of a friend. And I lived there for like three and a half years. And as I was moving out, I put my dresser on Craigslist and I sold it for $100. And I was like, this is genius. Like, in essence, I paid nothing, but I got a dresser for three years. Last year, the Patriots traded a 32nd pick for Brandon Cooks. Paid him $1.5 million for a season. And then traded him for the 23rd pick in the first round. Yeah. I, I was excited for getting a dresser for free. They got Brandon Cooks and then moved up eight spots in the draft. It's pretty amazing. I mean, Belichick just rented a receiver and then got eight picks for it. Well, I mean, again, everything it's you insane. read. I mean, it's insane. It's why he's the master of the universe or the evil dark lord. Yes. Either way. The soulless wonder. Uh, the soulless wonder, right. Whatever it is. But, you know, he just is such a unbelievable thinker and because of that he can see the future a little bit too and I think if we went back in time and thought like put tried to put yourself in Bill's shoes now he goes oh okay I'll trade him he's an integral part of our offense we really need him to be successful we have no Julian Edelman all those things are coming into play so he's going I need to win right now and he's going to go you know what and and in our offense I'm going to make him look probably better Mm. than he was in New Orleans. So his rise will go up. So maybe I can pressure him into taking a long-term deal for lesser than what he's worth, which is what it sounds like they tried to do during the season. Or, right, I'm not going to just let him walk out of here for free. I'll make him look good enough to where I can maybe get something a little bit better than what I gave for him. Right. All right, so I have come up with a number of questions. What are they going to do? I'm going to put it in the hat and Fendrick is going to pick it out. Fendrick. I don't get a drum roll? Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. We're picking it out oh, of the okay. hat. Sims, Fendrick, Lefko, and the first pick. By Survivor Boy. Fendrick, what is the first question? Are the Rams better with Cooks instead of Watkins? Ooh. Sims, I'll let you have the floor on this one. Wow. That's a good question. Good question, Lefko. Thanks. 
I do think they're overall better than yes. Really? I do. Yeah. I I mean, Brandon Cooks, he is not as fast as Sammy Watkins. Um but I think as an overall all-around football player, he's got a little more versatility. He's a better route runner. Uh, and I would think that he would get some type of long-term contract that's going to be in that type of range wow. of $15 million a year. I mean, I think that's what he's going to ask for. Right. He's going to say, I've had three out, of, three out of four years of my career been 1,000-yard seasons, right? Mm. I mean, I've had a better career than Sammy Watkins at this point. He's going to yeah. at least be able to say that. But you think the flow of that offense, like he can still be the deep threat that Watkins was to right. create underneath for right. Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and all that. Can definitely do that. But I think the thing I like about it, too, is like Woods can do a little bit of both, and so can Cooks. Mm. And that's what I like. So then you don't know, oh, which guy's going to be underneath, which oh. guy's going deep. Go back They're and look at the Houston runners. Texans game for the Patriots last year when right. Cooks kind of took over at the end. Sure. His ability on the sideline, I think, phenomenal. is a lot better than Watkins. Yeah. You're right. Watkins is, is more one note. Right. It's either screen and go or, right. or go and go. Right. Whereas Cooks can play underneath as, as long as Malcolm Jenkins isn't there. <laughs> but, Super but, Bowl. but you're right about that. I mean, and, and, and Watkins clearly could have a better year, too, because right. Watkins has a special skill set that's going to fit that offense oh, yeah. there, too. So, bombs away with Mahomes. Right. Yeah, you might see Watkins with a better year and go, oh, that's not even close, or whatever. Well, okay, well, in the Rams system, I don't know if he'll be as good as Brandon Cooks will be. Alright, Fendrick. The second question after the Patriots-Rams trade is... Is Bill Belichick sabotaging the Patriots on his way out the door? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> There's part of me didn't that play hope- Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl. Yeah, there's part of me that hopes that Belichick is like secretly like building like this one trap door that when he's done he just goes and it all falls apart. I, I mean, there's that it's it's something that people talk about around the NFL. I mean, I never stop. I mean, yeah, there's there is definitely talk that people think Belichick is. You know, so crazy and so wants it done his way that his he stuck to the Patriots by not playing Malcolm Butler. I mean, he obviously thought he could win in the Super Bowl, but it was sticking it to Malcolm Butler for not taking the deal he offered. You know, sticking to Robert Kraft for not for sticking his nose into too many football situations. I mean, that's the way he is to a degree. And he you're is, telling us this is a real thing that's discussed in oh, the NFL. This people, is not you sitting oh, home. Oh yeah, yeah no, this is okay. like conversations where like literally I've had coaches or front office people be like. I mean, like, do you think he was what? trying to prove a point in the Super Bowl? Like, what was he doing? And that's like legitimately being talked about. Yeah, he's that stubborn. Now, he also is like egotistical enough to go, well, I'm good enough, coach. We'll figure it out without Malcolm Butler, anyways, and we'll make it yeah. work. Um, but I don't know what the hell they're doing <laughs> up there right now. I'm really interested to see what they're doing, what their plan of attack is. Can you really say they're going to parlay these picks into a quarterback? I mean, let's find out. Might be one of the questions coming up in the hat of questions. Has any wide receiver had a better OC career than Brandon Cooks? Sean Payton, Josh McDaniels, and Sean McVay. Damn, no. I was thinking about that last yeah, night. 30, you're right. Here we are going, oh, Brandon Cooks had a better career than Sammy Watkins. And I'm going, yeah, because he's played for maybe the three best offensive coordinators in the NFL, Sean yeah. Payton, McDaniels, and Sean McVay. Think- he, if he goes to another team, also, yeah. I don't think anyone's been traded as much as Brandon Cooks in their career. Right. Like, this is unbelievable. But if he goes somewhere else... He'll be shell shocked if it's not a good OC. He, he won't even know what to do. Send him up to Green Bay next. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I mean, he's played for three guys. Who else is going to ma- like 
I know. Magnify he's just, he's his just talents more. Kyle. Uh, other than Kyle, if he ends up on the Niners, he ends up on the Niners at some point, he's the luckiest mf'er we've ever seen. Well, that's what's annoying is I remember when I tried to interview Brandon Cooks, and I emphasize try because Brandon's not a guy that's going to give you anything. Right. He's going to give all praise to God and right. then not tell you anything. Which whatever, it's just not good for an interview. He, I was like, yo, compare Sean Bain to Josh McDaniels. He's like, oh, they're both good. And I'm like, man, if if we got like a Martellus Bennett that worked with all three guys, we could really learn a lot about what it's like to be with them. Right. Brandon's just not going to give you that. No. But what a great career for him. Man, great career. It's like, I was just trying to think of like things like similar, like Wes Welker getting to play with Brady and then Manning, or like right. being in that offense. And, and then I think of the other guys. I'd right. like to find guys that played for like the worst offensive coordinators and who, who their careers will never be as good as Brandon Cooks right. simply because of the circumstance of the teams they went That's to. That's what's amazing about Odell Beckham Jr. because he's doing that and we're still going he's the best in football and same draft same draft same i mean he's hands down been the shittiest offense in his it's career. really interesting that so, draft but, in itself in 2014 brandon cooks plays for these offensive right. coordinators odell plays for them right. mike evans has played for dirk cutter and he still put up numbers yep. alan robinson had a mix of like nathaniel hackett and, and whoever yeah, greg came. olson greg olson right. but no, I, I would say that Brandon Cooks has had the best. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, the other thing that came to my mind was just like uh, just play like quarterback Kurt Warner, right? Like Kurt Warner, he got to play with all that talent on the Rams, and then he got to go to Arizona, and it was Larry Fitzgerald and right. Anquan Bolden and right. Steve Breston, and Wizen Hunt was kind of new as an OC in the NFL. Right. Changes your career. You know, it does. changes your or, life, or, too, because yeah. if you're right. a Super Bowl winner, that totally changes what you can do after football. Everything. I mean, it's a life changer, no doubt. It I mean, is. And then just go work for the NFL Network, and they're going to be the ones that get you into the Hall of Famer. You're a Hall of Famer, right? Next question. Should the Patriots trade both first-round picks for Odell Beckham Jr.? Oh, gosh. That's the second thought that went through my head. I mean, the first thought that went through my head is, ooh, are they going to make a move for a quarterback? Right. The second thought that went through my head is... Are they, they're not crazy enough to go after Odell Beckham Jr. Are they? 2007 Patriots. I bring mean, it back. Bring back the Randy Moss with Tom Brady. Now that he can like throw it deep again, with Gronk and and Rex Burkhead and Chris Hogan and Malcolm Mitchell's coming back. It'd be amazing, but I'd have a hard time thinking that they would value that position quite like that at this point. <laughs> Do you think I Belichick mean, likes Odell Beckham Jr.? Do you think he looks at him the way he looks at an Ed Reed? Yes, with like I a do. Lot of respect. I do. So you think that if if Odell, he would be like this talent. We could do incredible things with. I do. I think he could go there and be incredible. He could also be smushed personality-wise. Tell, and then, tell then, about what it was like when you saw Ocho Cinco in New England. Yeah, Ocho Cinco was so out of place in New England, and he, I could tell every day. Like he just didn't. He wasn't comfortable in his own skin because he couldn't be Ocho, Ocho Cinco. He you even told me that you thought that he was gonna. He thought that he was gonna come in there and be like, "I'm gonna loosen up the packs." Yes. No, and that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen, especially when like guys like Vince Wilfork and Brady are in there and go, "No, this is the way we are in this locker room. We're not. This isn't Cincinnati or how a did boisterous Ocho, group." How did he react to all that? Could you see it like wearing? I could. Him down? I saw it wearing him. I feel like he totally lost personality. I feel like even before practice, he was stressed out, and I wanted to be like, "Damn, it's May seventh, dude. Like, relax." Like, at the same time, but where Ocho Cinco was in his career, yeah, it's not comparable compared to where Odell is. Right, not comparable. Not comparable. 
And yeah. the only reason it works for Gronk is because he's the best tight end in the history you of just football. Have, yeah, and and also what happened to Ocho Cinco is he was in Cincinnati in a West Coast type of offense. He was in a one this scheme with a totally different language, and it was kind of simple. And he got to New England, and it was like, no detail, do your job every day. It's a really complicated offense, and holy crap, I'm thinking about a lot, and I can't figure it all out. And I think it just wore on him, not physically and mentally. So what's where the pr- he, Oh, keep going. But uh, but to where he just couldn't let his physical ability show out. And I don't think he was as good as Bill thought he was at yeah. that point of his career, too. So what percentage are we putting at the Patriots trading these Gosh, for Odell? I mean, I, so I did a, like, we talked about this conversation on Pro Football Talk the other yeah. day, and we asked, we were, one of the things we said is, where would you like to see him go? And I said the Patriots would be my number one place I'd like to see him go. Because, again, they would be able to use him better than anybody other than maybe the McVeighs or the Shanahans or Sean Payton. Yes. But they're going to be... He's going to be all over the field. And you're yeah. going to look at the end of the year and go, well, he's leading the NFL in all statistical categories. Yeah. The right. prophecy would be fulfilled if Brady wins his last Super Bowl with Odell Beckham. Oh, oh my gosh. Team. That would be amazing. But, but I, you know, you, one thing you hear a lot from New England people and even people in the, like, Bill just wants to coach people he likes and wants to coach at this point of his career. So, yeah, does he like an Odell Beckham Jr.? I Enough don't know. To it might it be a little it. too much personality for Bill. Might be. You know, might, might not be. be right. He's not looking for choir boys. Like no. you said, like you talked earlier, like Randy. Moss was on his radar, but yes. Randy is not like quite the personality that an Odell Beckham Jr. is. Yeah. He's o- not going to be Odell dancing. Has, and Odell has less off-the-field issues. He does. You're exactly right. That's Randy a great did. point you made. Right. I mean, Randy ran over a traffic right. cop. Right. Odell's danced and fake peed and proposed to a net. Yeah, I know. Get off his back. I know. Let's go to another question. Ooh, it's a long one, Lefko. It's a, a follow-up. It's a follow-up. Okay, here we go. So don't read both. Will this trade lead to Sims obtaining true oracle, uh, oracle status from his November predictions? Yeah. So I went and found that clip. November yeah. 1st, 2017, you said, I just got this weird feeling that I'm looking around and I think the Patriots soon could trade up and, and go and get the quarterback of the future. Did it make you, like, are you feeling super confident about that right now? Because you even said Josh Allen back in November when you hadn't watched anything yeah. yet. All right, so two things. I think the first thing I would think is there's only two quarterbacks, I think, in this draft that they would be interested in the first round, and that's uh, only Josh Allen and Rosen. The other three don't fit what their mold is for, for quarterbacks in the NFL. So I would have a hard time thinking that Lamar, uh, you know, Darnold or, or Baker Mayfield are their kind of guys because they don't even fit like the criteria, the baseline criteria as far as what they want at the quarterback position. Um, so I do think that strongly. I think I think what I think but of is twenty three. That's the problem. It's the end of the first round. Yeah, picks, but they right? also but have they, that early. They have two early second rounders in thirty one. Well, and forty three. Forty three. Yeah, early. the other second ones at the end of the second. So twenty three, thirty one, forty three. Is that enough to move up? I know. And is that enough to move you up into the top five from all the way there in they a draft a that doesn't rounder. have necessarily amazing elite talent? So that's my, where my other question play would be: too. Which team would actually trade with them? Right. Who's good, like? Do you think teams would want to trade with Belichick? No, everybody's scared to trade for Bel- with Belichick, but I do think there's teams out there that will be interested in it because I think they're all going to know at that point too. Like, oh, okay, he's coming up to get a quarterback. I mean, right? He's not coming up here to get Saquon Barkley, like out of the position he's never valued ever, and all of a sudden yes. he's going to value it, right? So, I did think of all those. The thing that. You know, with the quarterback situation, too, I don't know if there's a guy worth at pick 43 in the quarterback situation. Right. So they're in a very weird spot. 
And you're right. They might have to give up another first-rounder somewhere along the line it's to get it. all the way up because teams are going to look at them and go, first-round picks from New England are the end of the first round. Right. It's early second. That's right. basically what it is. You know. So you're not feeling confident. I mean, I just feel like it's going to take a lot, and I have a hard time thinking Bill's going to go like, here's three first-rounders yeah. for Josh Allen. But if it does, Oh, it'd it be awesome. He'd be their Told type of guy. You. Yeah. Follow-up question from Lefko. If the Patriots move up to select Lamar Jackson, will the world explode? <laughs> yes, it will. It will totally right? explode. Like they trade up to like 15 and snag Lamar Jackson. <laughs> move him to receiver? No, not move. <laughs> I'm joking. No, no, no. If they go there and they go, our quarterback of the future, we are going to build an entire offense. We see that the RPO is taking over. We just got destroyed by it right. in the Super Bowl. Right. And we want the perfect RPO guy to sit behind Tom Brady for a year or two, and then everyone in the NFL just goes, holy crap! Bill, why were we afraid to do this? Yeah, I, well, that's what's going to happen with Lamar Jackson. That's really it's what I envision. It's like three years from now, everybody, every fan from those teams that missed up on everybody, <laughs> how do we pass him up? I mean, that's what I really do envision happening. And, yeah. and I think the tide has changed already on Lamar Jackson. As much as the off the field has been a disaster, I mean, every day you wake up and there's uh, more first round chatter for this wide receiver at quarterback. I heard your teammate Booger McFarland though talk on TV today and said he should switch to, to wide receiver. Uh, that's just insane. And I was like, Booger, can I? I don't want to talk shit. I talk shit about nah, Booger. Don't talk shit I about talk Booger. Shit about it's all right. But yeah, I'm bigger than me. I don't and he works in New York. Now. <laughs> he does. You're right. And I don't want to get in trouble. Yeah. No. I don't. I don't see that. Sorry. My response to that would be yeah. like, Are you even watching? watching. All I right. Know. Another one. Will OBJ still get traded now that the Rams are out of the running? I do think that is certainly a still big possibility. They really? just got to get what they want. So the Giants. Yes, I do. I do. I do. I just it's going to be rich to get it, whatever it is. Who do you think are the leaders in the clubhouse to get Odell right now? Uh, pull up the teams. Yeah, pull up the teams. teams. I mean, obviously the Niners. The Niners are the like the number one team. And you, again, this is a type of conversation where I know Kyle thinks Odell Beckham Jr. is awesome, but yes. I don't even get into these conversations with Kyle because I don't want to know his answer because then I won't be able to talk about it. We talked earlier about right. the rivalry. Right. Is there any chance that that, that plays the Rams into it? trading for Brandon Cooks will even further motivate the Niners to trade for? Odell Beckham Jr. I think all of it has to. I mean, Marcus Peters, Akeem Talib, and Dominican Sue, they're just looking at it going, damn, they're getting more talented, and we haven't really found the right guys, and it hasn't been the right year for free agency for them mm. for some of their team needs, too. So they, they were smart in the fact that they didn't just panic and pay players just to go, oh, well, we need a guy here. So that I like. But, yeah, the 49ers are certainly would be in that conversation. Isn't that short-sighted to prioritize Odell just because of what one of your divisional rivals is doing. Yep. Well, you feel like you do get competitive and feel like, listen, we may, they got a lot of difference makers that on their roster. That feels reactionary to me, though. I, I get that. But, I, yes, I think it would have to be one of those things where, yeah, they want to make that happen. Now you go study Odell and you go, wait, is my reaction worth this player? And then they're going to watch the film and go, holy shit, he's fucking amazing. <laughs> Let's give up our next seven first-round picks for him. All right, so uh, Niners. All right, I said the Niners. Um, I would think like a team like the New York Jets would even think about it. Why wouldn't the Houston Texans think about it? They got money into Sean Watson and Billy O'Brien. And Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins. Wow, Hopkins and Odell Why wouldn't and Frank Fuller. Reich want to get Odell Beckham Jr. in there with Andrew Luck mm. and Chris Ballard? And what, why? I mean, so again, I don't have any knowledge of this thing. Right. I know that everybody's interested just because of the way I told you at the, the 
owners meeting, how yes. many people came up to me and just asked me, hey, what do you know about Odell? Do you know him? He plays for the Giants. you know any of the guys on the Giants? Your dad, dad played for the, the Giants, Giants, right? you hear anything from yeah. so, so even though the Rams were easily the number one contender for him, you think that the odds of him I being traded are still team, super high? I think they're 50-50, I would say. They're right down wow. the middle. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the fact that Schefter is still coming out every day and going, it's still going to happen. It's still going to happen. Exactly. Guys. That is a that is a reporter afraid of getting scooped because he knows that there's that much. It's action. happening. Yeah, there's too many teams. I think they're laying in the weeds, doing their homework. What the, the thing that's going on with Odell right now? Everybody's checking his off the field stuff. That's what everybody's doing. How he's probably getting followed che- by a private investigator just to go so? there now. Yeah. How often does that stuff happen? A lot. And I know we're we gonna we're gonna talk about this a little bit. Like I mean, well, let yes. me hear about Odell. So yeah, you I think mean, that- I, yeah, I would think that if a team is going to trade for Odell Beckham Jr., um, that yes, a team before they do that is gonna su- have a private inv- investigator follow him for two or three weeks. These people are hired by the teams individually, not yeah, the league, correct? Because a lot of the teams have high security guys that were either ex FBI guys, F ex Navy, whatever it may be. They're in the security business. And then they know other security people. So you're telling me John Lynch is sitting in his office and going, "Uh, Barry, hi. Uh, Odell, follow him for a few weeks. Let me know what he's doing. Let me know where he's eating. Let me know if he's going out at night. I mean, again, I don't know that that John Lynch is doing that. but No, but I'm just saying you think GMs and stuff. What? All the the top five quarterbacks in the draft are all being followed by private investigators. Every single one of them. Hands really? down. Without a doubt. No no doubt. We're talking about right-wing conservative NFL. They're going to be like, oh, I don't know if I can draft him if he eats pizza on Wednesday night. Let's follow and investigate him. I and mean, wait, so my question is, yeah. do the private investigators ever like run into each other? Like, If there's like five teams investigating Odell, do they see each other in cars like waiting two blocks away? <laughs> I don't know that. But I mean, the one thing I've always known as far as the private top picks are always followed. I've always known that. Man. I know Baker Mayfield field was followed. I know all the top five quarterbacks What's happened followed with Baker this year. Mayfield? No, I just know they were all followed. I had heard a story that Baker Mayfield basically got word that he was being followed as he was out, out partying in LA. Like Somebody told him, like, hey, teams are following you, and he kind of was like, okay, I'll be straight and narrow then. Man. Yeah, it goes on. And I've always heard practice? that he, Randy Moss was followed by the New England Patriots. Yes. Man, and I just know they're people. just they're looking for what behavior. They just want to make sure that it's all good. Like, hey, he doesn't have like an under the radar crack pro, pro, a problem that we're not knowing about, or you know, he can't. You know, he's married and he's sleeping with every woman in town. Gotcha. They're just trying to do connect. They some then, dots. Do they then sit there with like a Baker Mayfield or with like a Randy Moss and like see if they'll admit to something? Sure. I think so, yeah. They're definitely, yeah. What are other crazy situations you've heard about this? I don't know. I mean, gosh, I don't know. I didn't. We could ask my dad. I mean, I don't know. Let's see if he knows. But these are just things I've known and always Man. known, and this is what goes on in the NFL. These are these are billion-dollar owners. Big this investments. Big investments, the future of their organization, the jobs of these coaches. I are, want to find a private investigator. And go with him. And get him on here and follow Fendrick for like a week. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't see much. A lot of survivor. <laughs> <laughs> I got them flustered. If the Patriots don't trade their How picks, are your in-laws, by the way? which positions will they focus on at 23 and 31? If the Patriots don't trade, yeah. what do you think they'll look at at 23 and 31? The right away, right I, think I haven't got to tackles yet, yes. right? But yeah, O-line, O-line and corner. 
O-line and corner. Come on. There's no nobody values the corner position like him. Right. I mean, that's part of the reason I think he's bitter at Malcolm Butler. I think it was like part of the reason I always thought, and again, I don't know this, yeah. but again, I know people around the NFL, is that he was probably mad he didn't take his low ball offer, and that always bothered him. Mm. You know, it's just the way he is. But I would think corner, and I would think there's gonna be good corners at twenty three and thirty one because it's a deep class. So corner and O line. I would say those are the sense. two I would look at. And who what else? And that maybe that big fucker from South Carolina, that tight end, mm. that could be in play if you're Especially talking about Gronk, Gronk retirement, right. right? Those are the guys that Penn State first South popped Carolina. in my head, right? Gotcha. I haven't watched tight ends yet either, so I can't go there yet. But last one, yeah. final question: Do you think Tom Brady liked Brandon Cooks? Came out today that Bra- that Tom Brady was not sad that Brandon Cooks was traded, yeah. and that I he didn't that. actually fit into the scheme, right? But do you think he liked Brandon Cooks? I'm sure he liked him. I would think that they explained the whole situation to Tom and the amount of money he was maybe asking and everything. And Tom was like, no, he's not worth that or whatever yeah. it is. So he was okay with it. The fact that they know Julian Edelman's coming back, right? He's uh, a similar skill set to a Cooks, except Cooks is just faded straight away faster. Yeah. Um, you still got the Hogan. They still got what's-his-name that missed the year last year, right? Um, Malcolm Mitchell. Right. So I think they still like him a I lot. I feel like Tom Brady is like living, uh, and he's like a, a grown-ass man. He's got kids, and like they met like a couple, him and Giselle, and they like hung out, and then they're moving. And Giselle's like, "Are you are you upset that our neighbors are moving?" He's like, "No, like no new friends. Like yeah. I, I'm reached this age. I don't get upset by this anymore. Right. It's not a big deal." It shows you where they're at, though. At least they're asking Tom. That's good. They're right, because there was a time period where they didn't ask Tom, and Tom wanted to be asked, but Tom didn't also didn't want to show up in the spring to train and do all that. And they were like, "Well, you're not here. How can you tell us what?" players to play and mm. you know you're living in California and only coming in for OTAs that was always a little struggle there yeah Man. let's give Phil a call because it's two minutes before he's expecting don't want to be late I or three minutes late I think I'm gonna sit 415 what? today I don't know who cares you really screwed you told PMS. us what I was trying Did, to... have I told people that he's PMS is that his initials yeah Phil well, I couldn't make my son a second because I couldn't do... give him Martin as the middle name and make my son PMS initials it's just not right can't do it. It's good thought by you. Right? Yeah. Thanks, Chris. I'm right. sure Philip no will thank you for that later yeah. in life. Yeah. Let's call him that right off the bat. Yeah. 418, how you doing? <laughs> Did your son tell you 415 or 420? 415. Golly. He told us 420. I thought we were calling you early, PMS. <laughs> PMS. Oh, that was not nice. <laughs> so we're going to start out that way, huh? No, what we are going to start off, though, is with a little game, Phil, called Fill in Time. I have three <laughs> topics for you that you don't know what they are. I don't even know what they are, you know Dad. What sounds like? What? Match game. Bob but, Eubanks. I've done up by Yeah, yeah. Bob yes. Eubanks. Yeah, you're right. I, no, I, I think it is. It is. I, I picked th- something from your era. All right, Phil. This is the first one. Oh, Drum roll. Josh picks out. And Josh, what's our first topic for fill in time? Ravens sign RG3 to a one year deal. Ooh. Breaking news this morning. How are you going to answer this? What are you going to say, you big fucker? Well, I think there's a very good chance. He's going to probably beat out Joe Flacco. And it's just, you know, look, it's, it's incredible that he's been out there this long. And I, he's, man, he deserves a starting job. And he'll probably beat Joe Flacco out right away in training camp. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think for real? That, that was for real. I just Stop. Incredible. I just I listened to some people on TV. You know, oh, well, whatever. I won't get into all those people. Yeah, they're um, not worth your time. They're not I, watching. It's just not. Oh, my God. You know, people go on TV 
And they literally, here's what would bother me. I mean, at least I have, I don't know, whatever. You know you're just lying because that's just to create whatever on TV. Right, create like some noise, right. We, we mean, just, you, you know you're standing there with a straight face and you're lying. And you're going to, that drives me crazy. But what do I think? Yeah. Hey, if this talent was so good for that one or two years, then it's worth a look. Yeah. But I'll be I'll be very surprised if it works. Right. The one thing he has going for him, real quick, yeah. Greg Roman is the uh, is the running coach, so he did have Colin Kaepernick in San Francisco, so that could help him in that respect. Right. I mean, I got to think they're just like they're just going like diamond in the rough, right, Dad? I mean, I can't imagine. I would think Baltimore. The only two guys they have on their roster right now, right, are Flacco right, and Mal. Josh Woodrum. No, oh. Mallet's a free agent. Oh, right. So he might not even be there, and I would think he's really not going to be. I don't think so. But either. I was just going to say, like, I would think they were just hoping, yeah, to hit the diamond in the rough, jackpot, whatever it may be. Sure. I would, ex- I would expect the Ravens maybe draft a quarterback in the second or third round this year, and then you have RG three maybe as a third stringer slash experienced backup yeah. as you have somebody else. I too. think the thing that's interesting is you go back to last year where they were even con contemplating signing Kaepernick, and then they said to their fan base, pray for us. Just when they were thinking about signing Kaepernick, and this is like the bootleg version of Kaepernick that's already proven. Thank you. That's already proven in other places. He's not a diamond in the rough. We've already seen this. So, I I don't. You're right. Hey, look, and if it works well, he would be the backup. They'll draft the guy who would end up being the third one. That's what they'd really want. Right. And, uh, but... Uh, the da- the draft, there are some uh, sneaky guys to draft later or whatever. You don't have to go maybe in the – I know you don't have to go in the first or second round. If I'm drafting, I can find one later that has a chance to be a backup um, within gotcha. a year or two. Right. All right, next question. For fill in time, let's go to the hat. The Green Bay Packers – are turning their offense back to page one. Yes. According to head coach Mike McCarthy, we've taken a scrub brush approach to the whole system. Scrubbing it away, Sims. Wow. And they, and they said that when you have the same offensive system for 12 years and you're playing late into the playoffs, you usually turn the page, evaluate, and just evolve. But we're different this year. We're going back to page one in the playbook. Whoa. Phil Sims, what do you think? Hell, I don't know. I think somebody's got to explain what all that means to me. Because <laughs> you just did a great job of saying it. And but I, I don't know what that means. I, I think, think what they're, I think what they're saying is... Start over? Yep. What? Back to the basics? I think what, I thought that's what they were doing. Yeah, so I think what they were doing is they're saying when you're successful, you just kind of build off that offense. But because it wasn't successful, we're going to reevaluate our entire offense, is what it says. Or they're saying... Yeah, go ahead. Well, there we go. Okay, right. I don't know what to say. I remember covering the Green Bay Packers. I remember watching them beat the Pittsburgh Steelers down in Dallas in the Super Bowl, and they were doing one thing. Yeah. They were chucking that ball down the field. Right. Aaron Rodgers threw about six passes in that game yep. that were six of the all-time best throws in Super Bowl. Yes. I mean, just missiles. I mean, yeah. In fact, I think they won the game. Down the, the middle? Third down and long. James Jones, would that be right? Yeah, yeah. Right down the middle. Yep. Perfect and coverage, go. and he just threw a fucking 103-mile-per-hour yeah. fastball over it, the outside corner. It, that's right. It's like right. Parcell says, to, uh, he said to me once, why do you think Brett Favre threw that pass? And I said, because Bill, he thought he could get it in there. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, you're right. That's what he thought. Yeah, and that was Aaron <laughs> Rodgers 
I loved that offense. But and and then I of course done many of their games. And you know what Mike McCarthy says? I'm just trying to find as many ways to throw seams and do this and that that I can for Aaron Rodgers. But they definitely, of course, got away from that offense big time as the years went on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what it seems like. It seems like they're basically saying, like, hey, I've been listening to that Sims and Lethgo podcast, <laughs> and that Sims guy's been shitting on my offense. So maybe we're going <laughs> to yeah. – maybe we'll change some of our routine basics. I don't know yeah, what I he's going to – I don't gonna... think uh, Mike McCarthy uh, – you know, he's a pretty cool dude, really. He really is. I know so. he is. I don't yeah, think he likes me, that though. You don't think McCarthy listens to the Sims and Lethgo podcast? Because that's <laughs> you know, He might. He might. Yeah. You know there are, and you know what they say about Green Bay after the football games. There's not much to do, so maybe they say, "Well, what the hell? We got nothing else to do. Let's listen to those idiots." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. All right, one more fill for you. The All final right. question of this week's edition of Fill in Time: Bear versus Lion. Ooh, oh. an old staple. Phil, it's been an argument that me and your son have had for a long time. If an African lion and a grizzly bear got into a fight, which one would win? Let me give you some wow. statistics. An African lion is about six foot one and weighs about two hundred and fifty pounds. An African lion is not six one. I'm talking about in length. Okay, and they're not two hundred and fifty. A male lion three hundred pounds. That's not right. A bear, a grizzly bear, when they stand up, is about seven eight, and they weigh about. 600 to 700 pounds. So does a male lion. I don't know what, where enough, are you getting... Enough out of you. Don't let them know what side you're on. Phil, actually, you know what, Phil? I want you to listen to Chris's argument, and then I'm going to argue too. Chris, give Phil your argument for the African lion. Well, the African lion, first of all, I mean, our narrator here is giving some horrible freaking stats, okay? Because a male lion can be anywhere from 400 to 650 pounds, okay? All right. uh, hey, it's only a male lion with, like, the sharpest claws on Earth. Oh, yeah, and, like, the biggest fangs on Earth. Oh, yeah, and it's also one of the greatest athletes in pure power, muscle-packed protein punch that you've never seen before. And a bear is just a big, fat thing of blubber, okay? Interesting. That eats... I don't know, nuts and berries and sometimes some meat and then sleeps for the other six months. You trap that lion into a corner because the lion's going to run because he's very smart. He's going to go, I'm just going to survive. There's no point in me fighting this big fat right. fucking bear. Right. But if you trap him in the corner, yeah. he's going to go, fuck, I'm trapped. I'm going to beat the shit out of you, bear. Yeah, and that's done. interesting. All right, go ahead, Phil Sims. Yeah, let, no, 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 no. I am doing my argument for the bear. Phil, 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 Phil. I like his ass. I like the way his legs look. Yes, perfect. Phil, can't talk over me this time. I'm going to keep going. Here we go. First of all, they both use their claws and teeth. So I'm going to say that it's even, right? It's very rare that you get that. But I want to say this. Lions, oh, they have a mane, and it protects their neck. Great. Bears have that protection all over with the thick fur and the body fat. Oh, and you're saying that they, they uh, hibernate. Guess what? My mind, he's well-rested. Lions, maybe you should get some more sleep. Bears weigh about two to three times more than a lion. Lions typically hunt in packs. That means that the bear is ready for that one-on-one. -on -one. He's what I like to call the Quentin Nelson of... Oh, that's my freaking I mean, computer. be a professional. And then lastly, I'm going to say this. Back in European courts, there were records of them training bears to fight lions in case they got crazy. So the bears were the last line of defense, which in my mind, Big Phil, means that they're the ones that, if necessary, destroy the lion. Let me hear what you got to say. What's the verdict? Very good arguments by both sides. Thank but, you. you know, and now I know Mike McCarthy. Why in the hell would he want to listen to this stupid ass podcast? <laughs> Bears and Lions, Tigers, oh, oh my God. I, Adam, you know, you make a great argument. Don't um, do it. I know you really believe this and everything, 
But I'm going with you, Adam. Wait, what? Oh, yeah, that's what I said. I caught you. <laughs> I'm going with Adam. I believe the bear, oh. you can bite through that skin yes. of that hide, and is just as strong in the size. I can't they, believe this. Yes. So, Adam, I agree with you. Right, because if the, the lion were to bite into the bear, and let's say he's going, the bear can then just start clubbing the crap out of the lion. Oh, yeah, I, see him, I see them do that all the time, I know. Your Chris greatest is- point is, is the lion has protection around the neck, the bear, he's got six. He's got about two feet of blubber. You got to get through before you can even hurt him. So. Chris, are you going to take the judge's ruling, or will you send this to the appellate court? Let's screw this judge. He's got no authority in this court. He's furiously <laughs> scrolling through Google mean? right now. I was born on a damn. Hey, hey, listen. I was born on a farm, and I saw it all. I saw them all killed and this and that. I'm not gonna get into that. But <laughs> oh god. But my last parting shot is yes. My gripe of the week. Right. Ooh, go, you know, I like ooh, it. Ooh, the film gripe of the week. We can sell this. Yeah, my gripe of the week. You know, Josh Rosen is just so smart. You know, you have to really challenge him intellectually. That's what's really going to be the problem with NFL coaches. <laughs> what, what, are you kidding me? You know, this isn't college where we go, okay, now let's throw, uh, we got this one play. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, and it, the pro, he'll be intellectually challenged every day. Right. I don't care, man. What a what a! I tell you, and so many people on TV are saying it. Well, you know, you got to challenge him intellectually. Well, what do you think these guys are that are coaching these NFL players? Hell, he should be on Wall Street making you know hundreds of millions instead of suffering with a bunch of idiots trying to coach him. <laughs> I love it. All right, way to go, you the man, Phil. You That's nailed it. Part of the week. That was a good thought. All right, see you guys. See you, Dad. Be good. How you feeling? I mean, I don't. I'm no. I'm more of the expert on animals. So I don't really care. I watch this shit. We are with going my little to, girl. I'm. I'm going to set up a movie theater. Right. I'm going to rent one out, and we're just going to watch on loop right. lion versus uh, right. bear. But you, I didn't like how you your stats on the lion were so wrong. I mean, listen. But you tried to make it into a female lion. That's what you tried to do. The male lion can be anywhere from 500 to 600 pounds. Interesting. Right. Can I ask another question about the yeah. Packers? Sure. Mike McCarthy and Joe <laughs> Philbin, even if they erase the playbook, if you're not the right guy to redo the playbook, then does it matter that you've turned back to yeah, page one? No, I know. That's that's like it goes back to my old saying of like you you know how I say sometimes like they don't even know what they don't know. Like right. you've got to have somebody else in there to go, "Oh no, I was with McDaniels or McVeigh or Shanahan or Peyton, and we did it this way, or we packaged these plays together, or we read this guy on this play, and you're reading it wrong, or whatever it may be. Yeah. Now, Phil, I hope they bring in Rodgers for his insight. I, it would you be know, nice. I, I'd like them to go, what kind of plays do you think Listen, we should do more of? It's a start. It's a start, right? right. They're, they're obviously reevaluating and yes. going, you know what? We, we need to do some more. We got to do some things different. I love it. All right. So we have uh, a few more things to get to. Let's go to our favorite quotes of the week. Fendrick's going to reach in here, and he's going to pull out the first one. You were sweating at the start of the dad interview. I mean, your forehead was glistening. That's what I really wanted to talk about. Well, I'm a one-man band, Chris. I'm doing a lot. (laughs) Josh? Cardinals trainer Buddy Morris is tired of personal trainers and social media. The Cardinals trainer left. I got to pull that, man. I've I'm made right it notes for you. I got it right there. All right. Quote, today wasn't great. I saw some things that make me want to go home and drink heavily. Seeing some of our skill guys dragging, fatigue is always going to be a factor in everything. I'm not a fan of personal terrorists. He calls personal trainers personal terrorists. <laughs> 
I'm to the point now I'd rather have players do nothing because you have to correct everything. This is the Cardinals trainer still talking. Also not a fan of social media. It's ruined the country. So when my guys walk into their personal terrorist, Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, that stuff is ridiculous. And according to Lefko's research here, Buddy Morris also does not like wearing shoes. The last thing about social media, I don't. That wasn't even. It a, wasn't a, even a part sentence. of it. He was just on a rant just about just personal uh, trainers and was like, "By the way, you know but, what else sucks? Millennials." That sentence. <laughs> so when my guys walk into their personal terrorist. Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, that stuff is ridiculous. None I don't, that I don't understand sense. that. None of that makes sense. That's what's amazing about strength coaches. Talk, talk to me about the creatures that are strength oh, coaches. Oh, gosh. They're just... Because uh... when I found out that Gruden's kid, we've seen pictures of him and stuff, he's the strength coach. Yeah. There's a screw loose on there, this guy. Almost a little bit. Like a, a screw loose in a good way, right? Like it's never meanness, but it's like meatheadedness. Definitely some off-the-radar hot takes where you're like, where did he come up with this thought, and why is he yelling this out to everybody in the weight room Do you right remember now? instances or of the, this? I mean, gosh, my strength coach, you know, at Texas I had Mad Dog, who was like, at one point, like the United States record holder of the bench press, right? Wow. Yeah, it was like 500-pound bench press. I like, mean, the Alabama strength coach is infamous for his yelling, but what was Mad Dog Mad like? Dog was, I mean, we were the king of the chance. We had more chance. Uh, you, what were some examples? Ooh, ah, yeah, it's on, baby. Ooh, ah. And you guys are yelling yeah, this while you're yeah. doing workouts? Ain't no party like a long home party, because a long home party don't stop. Say what? And you would do this when? Uh... I mean, before the game, after workouts, we were all, we had more chance and shit. Uh, but that was him. <laughs> yeah, do some more chance. Uh, what else did you guys do? Hold on, I got. Uh, we used to have a thing before. As we were stretching, we went through all the positions, right? So it was like kind of a way to get some energy into practice. And you'd have to go through, and they'd be like, you know, he'd go roll call, and he'd go RBs touchdown makers. Wide or Q beast or no, let's see what RBs ankle breakers Q touchdown makers and then it was like you went through the whole you know and how are you reacting uh, to that you know LBs jawbone breakers oh man and we're all are we having fun because we'd like screw it up we'd like chop it up too so the quarterbacks one day we'd be like let's chop it up today we'd be like k k k k Q touchdown makers and then but the other thing I love about this is to me it all goes to the issue with the Patriots yeah with his private trainer and all that stuff right and I no one everyone's talking about the personal trainers oh isn't this great you get another mind in there these team trainers yeah the fact that he's calling personal trainers personal terrorists <laughs> there is a battle going on that no one's talking about yeah which is the team strength guy right. and the personal oh, strength guy it's a real thing in the nfl oh, yeah really thing because personal only, terrorists yeah and there's nothing because there's, a lot of the times the strength coach in the nfl there's nothing he can do a little bit he's no. a little stuck right this guy's but making he's a ton seen of money as the old guard yeah he's seen as the dumb jock right. that goes push weight right. and these guys are like we're we're going to have you do biometric stretching that gets yeah. the insular part of your mancular And have bone. a kale smoothie while you're at it. Right. So you're right. That drives them crazy. Now, I will say that there are strength coaches in the NFL that are a little outdated and can use a little technology. Maybe it's the guy that doesn't wear, doesn't wear shoes and doesn't like Snapchat. Snapchat. Come Snapchat. on. I mean, the guy I had in Garrett Guimont in Tampa, who's now in Pittsburgh, I mean, he was the man. He had more quotes and things, and he had a cup at the front of his desk that had, how about a nice cup of shut the fuck up? Like, 
basically to let you know, like, you know, I'm the boss around here. So that's okay? what was on his desk. It was on his window and his desk, right? So like, how you about knew. a nice cup of shut, shut the, the fuck up, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, the guy Waterson, I had an. In Tennessee, I mean, ultimate prankster, musclehead, meathead. If you were new to the team, he might come up to you and do push-ups naked, like out of nowhere in the locker room, like what? All, headstand push-ups, just to make you uncomfortable in front of you, in front of you, like while you're right there getting changed because he's just gonna see like what kind of guy is I'm gonna be so silly. He, he goes up to Dion Lewis, the free agent, goes, "Hey, Dion, yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> handstand ones too, like handstand push-ups." This is the same guy in Tennessee. That he is, I gotta tell this. I'm sorry, we're on this talk now. Go for I, it. I don't want, we're gonna make this a two hour podcast. Is he, Cortland Finnegan and him had a little oh, back and forth. This. Did I tell this? I okay. think you told this story. Okay. I don't remember. How about the ping pong balls and all that stuff? It was, uh, it was so he put popcorn, he right. filled up uh, Cortland, Cortland Finnegan's. Finnegan's car with popcorn. The, the whole coach. car, the whole car, like. Yep. Packed to the top, like to where you're on top of the the sunroof, like dumping it to the, the last inch. Right. So he does that. Cortland is on a mission to get him back. Cortland, like a few days later, decides to do it to his office and fills the entire the office with thing. popcorn. Like to to like waist high in his office of popcorn. Waterson's a psycho. He shows up at the facility at like 4 a.m. So he gets there and he sees it and he's like, oh. I'm not going to let this little fucker get over on me. And and this is all in good love and yeah. fun. Right, right. He had a friend who worked in some, you know, big cleaning t- company. Exactly. And he got over there and they brought an industrial vacuum and just cleaned it and right up. And he, Cortland, the next day, is he comes into the facility and he's watching Waterson. And, and he's so excited Watterson's to see him in the office. told people, I haven't been to my office yet. And Cortland can't wait. And he's going to follow him in. And he walks in there and Waterson walks spotless. in. Spotless. Spotless. He's it's fantastic. Like, what the? I mean, Cortland was like blown away. Like, what the? Good job. How did this happen? Pays to have connections in town. Yes. That's the moral of that story. Yeah, yeah, right. He would know everything. If you were at the club or whatever, he knew people. So again, probably people tailing people. Right. <laughs> Next quote, Robert Quinn, recently traded out of Los Angeles, says, I am not a West Coast guy. Put it that way. Oh, you want me to read? Yeah. Okay, I can do that. Where am I looking on the page here? Oh, there it is. Uh, per Armando Salguero, Quinn called the move a breath of fresh air, adding that he was, quote, suffocating with the Rams. Mm. Quote, I'm not a West Coast guy. Put it that way. End quote. I feel like anytime someone leaves someplace, they're like, I'm not really a New York guy. I'm not really a West Coast guy. What does he mean by, I'm not a West Coast guy? Put it like that. Like, what does that mean? Are you insulting? No one believes your insults of L.A. Yeah, no I one think, believes I think your insults of California. He's trying to justify his move and yeah. trying to give himself a silver lining. Like, What oh, does that mean? I'm not a West Coast guy. I mean, listen, I'm not a West Coast guy. Jersey, baby. East no, Coast. No, I just, I believe I'm a, I am a, my mold of my personality fits the East Coast. But, man, if I got stuck in L.A., I'd be like, well, Damn, too bad I got stuck here. I mean, that would be one of the places I'd want to get stuck. That's I what certain, I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I certainly wouldn't want to be like, oh, I can't stand living in California. No, San Francisco and L.A. would be towards Are the top of the list in cities I would want to live in. in the I'm going to try and convince Bleach Report to send me to L.A. tomorrow. Where's Quinn from? Do we know? I want to say he's like... Didn't find out. Isn't he a North Carolina kid? He did go to North Carolina. Right. I feel like he's from somewhere in there, but maybe I'm wrong. Let's pull up the teams. Pull up but the I mean, teams. I get that, but yeah, don't take shots at the city as a whole. Like, yeah, okay. He's not even taking shots at the city. He's, he's from Ladson, South Carolina. Yeah, I'm not That's really a West Coast guy. Yeah, I don't know, man. Sign me up. I, I After this winter, Man. I am ready for it. What? Last quote here. Oh, there's he another quote? He can't tell me he liked being in St. Louis more than he did with the L.A. Rams. That's what I'm saying. Mm. 
Final quote here, Johnny Manziel talking about his experience with X's and O's during a visit to the Dan Patrick Show. Manziel said, quote, If Cleveland did any of their homework, they would have known I wasn't a guy who came in every day and watched the film. Quote, I wasn't a guy who really knew the X's and O's of football, end quote. That is such a ridiculous quote, and it only gets better from there. Go ahead. Pro Football Talk took the quote, right. wrote an article, right. and then Manziel tweeted the following to the article. Right. Quote, draft a quarterback in the first round and put him in a toxic quarterback room versus what it was like my second year with McCown. Completely different situation. It's all about the right fit, and mine in Cleveland wasn't right. That's just the facts. I also have nobody to blame but myself. Who was in that room the first year that he was drafted? Him, Brian Hoyer, and who else are we missing? Who was the OC? OC? Kyle Shanahan. So that was a toxic. So I guess. So I guess it's it's Brian Hoyer because Kyle Shanahan was there year two also, right? Yeah, with McCown. Uh, no, no, he wasn't. That was the year I think he left. McCown le- He didn't have McCown. Gotcha. Yeah. So he's saying that Kyle Shanahan and Brian Hoyer was a toxic room. But you know from a lot of people on the Browns that that doesn't make sense. And no. not even Kyle. I mean, definitely. Not. I don't even know where to start with this subject. I mean, again, okay. Let me start while you yeah, think. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to say this. Right. Manzel, I'm seeing a trend here. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to put this out there plain, and I'm probably going to get some blowback, and I'm okay with that. I am noticing in media right now everyone cuddling up to Johnny Manzel because they want to be aligned with the cool guy, right? I, not, I'm not even talking about the Odells and the LeBrons and the Drakes and all that stuff. Every time Manzel goes somewhere, it's, man, we're rooting for you and stuff. As a human being... I am rooting for Johnny Manziel to get over the things that he is battling right now. As a football player, I am done. I'm done. So, one, you're going to come out there and say you weren't for the X's and O's if they did their research. When you spent that entire draft process saying that you were dedicated to football and you were a warrior and obsessed with this sport. And then the fact that I'm seeing every single thing that he ends with right now going, I also have nobody to blame but myself. After he goes and blames a toxic room of an offensive coordinator and another quarterback, he is using I only have myself to blame as the new just being honest. Just being honest guy is my least favorite guy in the world. Hey, by the way, your shirt's disgusting. Just Just being being honest. honest. You can't just throw that after and make it okay. I feel like right now Manziel is using the whole, I only have myself to blame as the just being honest after he's blaming people. I, I understand that people deserve second chances. I don't know, though, if I really care. And he went into a thing last week about Kaepernick, and he didn't want to be compared to Kaepernick anymore because Kaepernick's doing great things. But here's the problem, Johnny Manziel. You are getting second chances, and he's not. And all the things that you did was yourself to blame. Kaepernick is standing up for these things, and I'm looking at Johnny, and I'm going, 
man, we're, we are really willing to give this guy a second chance and trot him out there at the Texas A&M Pro Day and trot him out there at the San Diego State. And I don't want to do CFL, and he's getting all these opportunities. Meanwhile, he's the one that's booking the GMA interview where he wants to divulge all the things that he's battling. I just feel like I'm in this, this mix right here where I'm seeing a guy calling out people mm-hmm. and then saying, it's just myself to blame. And then I'm at a point where I can't honestly discuss him because he says that he's a substance abuse issue. And in our country, when you go through that, it's only polite to let him battle that himself. Right. But I am not seeing the actions of someone that is feeling remorse. I'm seeing the someone that's willing to throw flames and then go, but I went through a lot. And I got, and most of the blame goes on me. Yeah, right. Sit back. You're tweeting. He tweeted that. Yeah. That was a, this was not an interview. It was not a surprise question. Right. He decided to call a, a, a quarterback room toxic. Yeah. It just With Brian it Hoyer, act. who's like like truly a Boy Scout. The Patriots wanted Brian Hoyer because they knew he would get along well with Tom Brady. I'm just not seeing your actions, your words, and your follow ups making any sense. No, right now. I think that's really where you say it. I mean, first of all, I mean, you no, know, no, I mean most. People in the NFL did know Johnny didn't do shit and didn't study football. That's why Cleveland was crazy for drafting him in the first round. That's why he was there at pick 23 or 25, 22. whatever it may be, right? And they had a GM at the time, Ray Farmer, who, yeah, I'm just saying, he was completely clueless. Clueless. I mean, clueless. That's all I can say to that. So he took a run on it. Why? Because he was Johnny Menzel and his highlight tape looked good. But... I can tell you that there was coordinators there, and I'm pretty sure Kyle didn't have a first-round grade on him, if I remember correctly. So, But to say it's toxic, I mean, it makes me mad because it makes it sound like he's like almost attacking Kyle, right? To where, okay, yeah, these concerns were out there. They were real. But then you also tried, like you said, fool everybody to go, yes. oh, I'm professional, and huddle around, and I'm going to tell all you coaches and owners and everybody that yeah. I'm a pro now, and I'm really focused, and here's how the workout's going to go. So some people took you at their word, so now you're going to get mad at those people for taking you at your word? you know? So I, I don't know. It's a little all over the place. I do appreciate his honesty, but yes, it's like he's taking accountability with also blaming at the same time to a degree, and I think that's what I don't like. I mean... Yeah. I you know, I, I can remember conversations with Kyle that year where he was like, Oh, I mean, if I had to throw Johnny Menzel in the on the field, I'm not sure he would really be able to call the plays or run the offense or do that type of stuff. Right. So uh, you know Can you tell the story about Johnny's touchdown drive? In Buffalo? No, the one in Cleveland. Uh, I think it was, Cleveland. I think it, was, it, was it was in Buffalo. Right? Oh, they were playing. It was in yeah. Buffalo. He came in towards the end of the game, right? And he scored and a touchdown. He scored a touchdown. But I do know that that's when Kyle had realized, like, oh, okay, uh, this guy doesn't know the whole playbook quite the way he should. And yeah, Kyle had to. They had to break the huddle, and I know Kyle had to say things to him in his helmet to basically remind him of the play, or look at this guy, or throw to this guy, or whatever it was. So this guy's going to do this. This other guy's going to do this. And right. You throw or it just to read this this week safety. If he does this, throw it to him. Or if he does that, throw it to that guy. Um, but yeah, all those concerns were there. I, I mean, just also don't understand when you're trying to make a comeback. If you come out and say I'm not really an X's and O's guy. There's two things to football. Mm-hmm. There's knowing the plays and reading a defense with how those plays are going to react right. and physically throwing the ball. So if you're not going to study the playbook and yet you're telling us that you're working as hard as you can to get another shot, who's going to take on the chance on the guy that doesn't do X's and O's? He's got to go to Canada and just prove himself. 
Nobody's going to give him a shot in the NFL. Okay, that's the way it is. If he gets in the NFL, there's going to be riots in the street. What do you mean? Because it'd just be an absolute joke if he gets in the NFL and like a guy like Colin Kaepernick's not in it. It's an absolute. I mean, joke. I think it's a joke that RG three is on a team and Kaepernick's. Yeah, not on a team. I get you. I get you. I mean, I, I understand that. So because the the what your dad said, about I wouldn't the be surprised if Johnny Menzel's getting blackballed by the NFL, like legitimately, like you know, just as much as I said, like maybe league memos go out every now and then. Like I wouldn't be shocked if a league memo went out around the NFL. It was like, don't sign Johnny Menzel mm-hmm. because it's going to cause this, this, and this to happen. Yeah, and they're not going to be able. To defend it. But, you know, listen, again, Johnny Menzel, all those warnings were there. All those signals were there. We knew he was a party boy. You knew he just went down to Texas. Texas A&M, from everything you hear, was, I mean, Johnny Menzel was done at Texas A&M, whether he liked it or not. He left for the NFL draft, from what I've been told, through coaches there and things, that Texas A&M was done with him after that year, no matter what. They had enough. They felt like he was Man. ruining their football program. Yeah, I just thought all that coming out, I was like, I can't believe he's saying that. Yeah. I got a little intense. Yeah. I want to calm down. Okay. Let's do a new segment. Lighten the mood. Left go. Stole his neighbor's Wall Street Journal and won Sims' reaction on big stories. Federal prosecutors. If First you're one up. Fendrick. High chair, high end dining. That's right. High chair, high end dining. Right in the life and art segment. Mm. Top restaurants are now catering to young foodies and their parents with sophisticated children's menu. Ooh. Forget chicken fingers and fries. Yes. Restaurants now want to serve children prosciutto wrapped grapes and little mini filet mignons. Ooh. Sims, your thoughts. <sighs> It's good to see they're expanding their horizons. Okay, I did not think you were going to. <laughs> That's a good. Those are some good healthy snacks. And yeah, there's certain restaurants where I do look at the kid menu and I'm like, damn, this is a nice restaurant. Are we really just giving chicken and fries to the kids? Like that's a little ridiculous. So yeah. I don't know about the prosciutto and grapes. Like my little, my wife is of course 100 percent Sicilian. She would give that kind of crap to my little boy and he would eat it. Yes. Like he'll do it. So it's I guess, yeah, I guess my on question the was if you were a little kid oh, and Phil Sims was taking the I'd high like, end diet. I'd be like, Dad, where is the whole basket of bread and the butter? And I'm just going to eat that tonight. That's all I'm going to eat. That's going to eat All right, next one. In Lefko stole his neighbor's Wall Street Journal and won Sims' reaction. Oh, boy. This is a good one. Okay. Surprise topic. Goddard. Sims, you have one minute. Left go, start oh, the clock. Start the clock. It was not for the Wall Street Journal. Sims, you have one minute to talk about Goddard and the environment. On your mark, get set, go. Gosh, you're catching me off guard here. But Stephen Goddard, okay, he's a guy that basically is a uh, blogger that continually fights against what the real science of the world is out there. And he's the publisher of Real Science, which I find seconds. hilarious, first of all. First of all, this guy, he went to school for electric engineering and geology, which is study of the rocks, which studying of the rocks can certainly help with some of the atmosphere. So what's he saying? But my big problem is, again, he's a climate change denier. But again, it's like a lot of people in this country, we love to make qualifying statements even though we're unqualified to make them. And that's what this guy would be. I mean, he has an alias, Tony Heller. I mean, so that just tells you he's a shady bullcrap of a person. 20 seconds. And let's just leave it to the people that are actually climate scientists and actually study the air and see the gas. I mean, Stephen Goddard, you know, again. 10 seconds. And he's just steering. He's going to hell. You're going to hell because you're steering the country in the wrong direction because he's being paid by somebody in the Republican Party or gas and oil to push this false message. And I've just had enough of it at times. Okay. I cannot deal with it. I didn't think you were coming there with that. So I was not prepared for that. You did. 
did well. amazing. You, you did, did amazing. But I mean, gosh, I just don't understand it. I just I'm so sick of hearing like billionaire rich people or just like rich white people that think they know all the answers of the world. Talk about subjects. Like, if I have one more Wall Streeter come up to me and tell me about who should be drafted first at quarterback, I don't go to them like, you know, I watched NASDAQ today and you should buy this stock. I watched it. I saw it on the screen just like you did. Shut the fuck up. I study this shit. Sorry. That was good. That was that almost was, two minutes. Okay. But good job. That deserved it. It was really good. Right. <laughs> next, I next love topic. it. I'll tell you, people love when you go on those All right, rants. Good, good. All right, last one Let's, for Left Coast Ola's Neighbors Wall Street Journal. Let's make a better world. The 24-hour challenge. I don't even know what this is. Sims, have you heard of the 24-hour challenge? I feel like I have, but I don't know what this is. I hadn't, but it was on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. And it is apparently... Apparently short of actual adventures, teens and 20-somethings are sneaking into chain stores and restaurants, including McDonald's, Walmart, Chuck E. Cheese, and Ikea, staying all night and posting videos online as evidence. What do you think of this new trend sweeping the nation? Oh, makes me extremely concerned about our nation. I don't even know. What would... What? Are you kidding me? People are sneaking uh, into a Walmart. McDonald's and a Chucky's Cheese. Is there a more disgusting, dirty place to spend a night of sleep? Oh, let me sleep here. Well, do you think they're kid. sleeping, or do you think they're like messing around with the ski ball Whoa, machine, or so cool. working on the floor? I got the basket that picks up the French fries. This is amazing! Holy cow! Your kids like Chuck E. Cheese? They don't really. They. My oldest I don't think knows, they've ever been to it. My Chuck oldest e. has been to it in one of the other states we lived in. Philip has not been to a okay. Chuck E. Cheese. So McDonald's. They get McDonald's occasionally. I will bring them to eat the fries. Got but it. That's about it. And they get a toy when they go, or no? It depends. It okay. depends how much of a little punk Phillips being. I think hiding in a McDonald's or a Chuck E. Cheese and all that stuff sounds really cool. You're going to play all the games. You're going to eat all the food until you realize that none of the games are turned on. None of the food is there, and you're not going to want to eat it anyway. And then you're going to get tired and you're going to go. I have four, five more hours of this. I'm yeah. thinking we do a pod from a Chuck E. Cheese, maybe. 24 hour? Cool. You want to do it, Sims? 24 hour challenge? Not at all. Not at all. Let's do a 24 hour challenge at Sims' house. He's still on Steven Goddard's Wikipedia page, just (laughs) scrolling. But seriously, who has an alias? Like, that's what you know. Like, if you have a pseudonym name named Tony Heller, that means, like, you are some shady asshole. I am both the new Stu Gatz and the L E F K O E. (laughs) Man. Let's move on. It is time to talk the NFL draft. Didn't think we'd ever get there. Holy shit. I didn't think so. Damn, I'm starting to swear. I got to stop. Hold me back. I don't want Joey Yanarella getting you out of me. Look, Fendrick was the first one to curse. I did curse earlier today. All right, so uh, (laughs) I want to do. I'm going to do linebackers quickly. Okay. Oh wait, we're not doing linebackers. I was just going to do. We don't have enough time. Are we doing DBs or linebackers? All right, so linebackers will be on Monday. Oh, here we go. Producer Sims a, versus producer Do you want to do, do, do linebackers we, we just, now? We promised the third linebacker of the first round, but guess what? That's coming up on Monday. Linebackers! But we We're really doing talked about the linebackers, though. Stop. We're doing corners. I know, but I'm just saying, have we? We haven't. We didn't talk Not about really. them at all? Not really. I just, for some reason, there's a part of me that thinks we at least talked about Roquan Smith and Tremaine Edmonds. Did we, just, we just literally have said their name on five. Five different podcasts, but I haven't talked about them. All right, so maybe we should do them. Today. No, we're doing corners. Corners a great combo, though. All right, so here's what I'm going to do: is I'm going to read. Let's not make this 45 minutes. Okay, so I'm going to read the a quick breakdown of the corner, and we're going to start off with Denzel Ward because he is perceived by many to be the number one corner. Yes, and our good friend 
Brett Threlkeld gave in my Instagram DMs, right. unsolicited, his breakdown of Denzel Ward. And he started off with this. Denzel Ward is overrated. I'm interested to see what Sims has to say. And I said, give me the breakdown. He goes, superior athlete, extremely fast. 5'10", plays a lot longer than that even. Tons of experience with man coverage. Most of the time, he's easily able to catch up and make a play on the fly because he can cut up because of his athleticism. Tremendous ability to put himself in a position to make a play, but he isn't so good at finding the ball. Good receivers make catches when he is right in their face, but Ward face guards the whole time. Overall, I think he's easily a first-round talent on athleticism alone, but I don't think his techniques are as polished as everyone thinks. Which technique can easily be taught in the NFL? Also, didn't see him play zone a lot. What do you think of Brett Threlkeld's evaluation? I think that was a very good evaluation. What grade, what round grade would you give of his evaluation? Oh, that's a first-round grade. First-round grade, Brett. Way Way to go. go. Alright, so don't say the same stuff. Just give your overall smart NFL teams don't give first or second round grades. You give a you have a grading system, right? Gotcha. Right? So Yeah, but but here on Sims and Left Go it's a round grade. What's your overall on Denzel Ward? Okay, I think that uh, our man there hit a lot of the good points. I mean he really did. I mean he's he's a phenomenal man to man cover guy. He really is. I mean he's got the ability like a let's just say a Janoris Jenkins, Jason Verrett, as far as just mirroring receivers, Mm. staying in their hip pocket, his change of direction, his ability to, you know, uh, be effortless and also efficient at a transition, right? Like backpedal, extra steps to right. go forward. No, he can put his foot in the ground and come forward. How does he compare to the top cornerback in last year, Lattimore? He's not as good as either Ohio State corner from last or year in Gary my eyes. Cullen. No, he is not. And he lacks that size. And I think the main point that our buddy made there, too, that's concerning to me. Like, I like this kid. This film is really good. But he's not my favorite corner. In the whole draft. No, he's not my favorite Whoa. corner. He's not my favorite guy. He just I don't I don't trust things about this guy. And I think it goes what back to trust? what our buddy told us. Brett. His coverage is he's all over guys. But he never makes a play on the ball. I mean never. And he very rarely really makes a play where you go, Oh, he almost picked it. So or, you're not getting oh, pass breakups. No, or... it's a little bit like almost like a Ronald Darby was a few years ago where we said, Man, it's great coverage, but there's never a play on the football. Interesting. And that bothers me a little bit. I think he's gonna be amazing in the slot. I, his body does bothers guys. well yeah his his body bothers me a little bit because I do think since against some of the bigger receivers in the NFL yeah. he is going to have a little issues like that he's twitchy he's smooth he's effortless uh I mean I wrote this at the end I wrote kid is really good uh, I just said I don't love him but you can't argue with his coverage skills they're legit his body is biggest negative plays small and lacks length and strength in my in my opinion at the end of the day all right, so is he a first-round pick? Oh, yes. yes. But he's not... He's not. Like, I saw a mock today that said he was, like, number 7 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I, I would have a hard time picking a corner like this at number 7. I, love I it. understand it. Yes. But uh, I just wrote... I wrote, also don't think he plays to 4-3 speed... 4-3 speed... 4-3-2 speed. Don't get me wrong. He's fast. Real good player. But I said he was somewhere between, like, 20 and 32. Love it. So that's love where it. I was. All right. The next one. This is of Josh Jackson, and it is from our really good friend, Mitch Neeson, yeah. who drove four hours to the Super Bowl to deliver his Iowa packet. What up, buddy? Uh, I Look, uh, Mitch, I'm going to be real with you, bro. 
sent me a lot of info. I'm going to go to the overall, though. Yeah, I want his overall. overall. Um, but, man, I'm telling you, this guy, he's broken down strengths. He's broken down weaknesses. He lists his strengths as ball hawk ability, mirror ability, play recognition. He lists his weaknesses at speed, tackling, and run game. Sent and us a full Iowa scouting package. It's amazing. I love Mitch. Uh, but his overall thing is first round, maybe top 15, for only being a one-year starter and two-star recruit coming out of high school, his development between his sophomore year and junior was night and day. Concerns are he has ability to press and play man consistency. I truly believe he can play man coverage because I've seen enough plays where he performs well. Jackson will thrive with a strong run defense and a good middle-of-the-field safety that allow him to attack the ball. Um... His four five six forty yard dash was quite underwhelming. Speed concerns, but he does see him as a mid round first rounder. Do you like Mitch's scouting report? I think there's some goods and some bads. What are what are the goods? Well, the goods. I mean, his his talk about playing the football, his size, those things are all admirable. I mean, what did he miss? All right, so th- th- he, this would be one of the guys. Like, first of all, I've seen some of the mocks. Like, everybody's got him in the top twenty. Like, there, there's no this kid's a. A borderline. I don't think he's a first round draft pick. Okay? Wow! This kid to me is a total scheme fit. And 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 our buddy, what's his name here? Mitch. Mitch. Mitch he kind of said it. He just has to read his own work a little bit. Yeah, it's really hard for me to ever go. He hmm. did say he's going to need a good run defense. He can kind of float around. And I don't know him. about his top end speed, and I don't know about him in man to man. Yeah, he hasn't seen him play man, but he believes he can play man. Right. So that's an issue for me. You're not a legit elite now, corner. If I can go, you can play man to man. Now time out. Yeah. We said this with Desmond King. Sure. At Iowa. Desmond King's been really good for the Chargers. Yeah. It's a good scheme fit. Right, but Desmond King was more of a slot safety guy. Mm. This is an outside corner all so the way. So you see Josh Jackson as a non-first-round pick corner? Oh, without a doubt. I don't see oh, first Oh, you're really round. confident. Oh, yeah, I do not see. There's no way I'm making Josh Johnson one of my picks in the first round. There's wow. no way. This is Quincy Wilson. This is Tease Tabor from last year. The Florida kids that had great size that are underwhelming in man-to-man coverage and don't have the foot speed to play against the legit NFL receivers. Now, let's see. Seattle or somebody at the end of the first round was like he's a scheme fit. And he what's maybe Seattle, sure San Francisco, Atlanta, right, right. Sandy, I, Los Angeles. Yeah, but I just don't see it at the end of the day. And still, even Seattle and those teams are learning. Like, nah, we have to play man to man sometimes. We can't play cover three, press bail wow. because teams are figuring it out. But okay, plays a lot of zone coverage, definitely. Okay, he's an impressive looking guy. He has maybe the best ball skills out of all these guys. He can catch it like a receiver. And some of his interceptions are like they're amazing. High Highlight real one-handed yes. catches, whatever they may be, all that. Um, but he does play a ton of zone zone coverage. I'm not impressed with necessarily his ability. His straight-ahead burst is underwhelming. His ability to turn and run and go to that extra gear, that's going to be a trouble against top number one receivers in the NFL. Yeah. He's not going to be able to run with them. He's a little clunky and slow-footed, too, in and out of transition. It's not horrible for a big guy, but I didn't watch it and go, ooh, that's pretty special right. for that size right there. You know, uh, does not as tackle as well as you would like. You think for he'd being be a, someone that big, and especially being from Iowa, Kurt Frentz, yes. who's like a Belichick disciple. Yeah. So there was those issue. Then you know, it was not good in space from that opinion. So um, overall, so I'm just because right, you know, while straight straight burst is good, it's not special. Side to side movements clunky. Um, but if it gets it in his hands, he's going to catch it. He has ball skills. Uh, he would really scare me if he had to play man-to-man versus good NFL wide receivers. Holds a ton when he has to play mm-hmm. man-to-man. He is a walking pass interference call. And then does not tackle as well as you expect, not as physical as you would think either, and not very good at breaking people down in space and making those tackles. Hands are amazing. Smart, smart, sure. Um 
Um, so, yes, because you're not going to beat him on the same route over and over. He's going to catch on. But I just wrote, not a first-round quarter cornerback, in my opinion. Total scheme fit. Doesn't do anything physical elite. And we've talked about this for years. The yes. first round is about physically eliteness. And I don't right, see that. Time's Sorry. up. That yeah. was good. Okay. How do you feel? I feel good. I mean, there's a lot so to right, talk about there. So right now, yeah, the two perceived as like two of the top corners, you have them graded a lot lower than they actually are. You have Denzel more in the 15s, yeah. and you have Josh Jackson in the second. I love this. Okay. And, I, and I'll clarify with this. Like, Josh, I feel... Yes, he's not a first-round corner. Denzel, I can see people's arguments. Yes. I'm not close. He's just not my love affair guy, gotcha. right? Okay, does that make sense? 100%. Okay. That means we are next on this list, Carlton Davis of Auburn. Right. Carlton Davis was reviewed by Colin. Ooh, you can find hello. him on Twitter at hello, Can Colin. I Call You Colin. Uh, he says Carlton Davis has a tall athletic build, long arms, allows him to have a strong jab at the line of scrimmage. When he hits you, he can lock you up and knock you off your route. Good, but not great speed, but can stick it to man, and his long frame can he, helps him make up space. I'd say second, uh, he literally wrote 2RD. So he either meant second or third, I don't know, because he's more scheme-specific for a press bail team. Reminds me of Richard Sherman, but that's a lofty comparison. Can't wait to see what Sims says. Sims, what do you think about Collins' analysis of Carlton Davis? Yeah, I th- I, this is one of the surprises of the draft to me right here, this kid. This kid's special, I think. No, no, I'll say this. But what do you think of Collins' breakdown? Collins' breakdown is pretty good. I think there's a few things that maybe we're missing there. All the, like I understand his scheme fit. He has those type of measurables to where you go... He fits that press. He bail, fits that press because he's got incredible length. He's got incredible swag. I really like this kid. He plays what do the you corner. Mean? What are you seeing on film? The he's just cocky. He throws his body around. He talks shit. He plays the position I would you want know him on we my like team. People that talk we, shit. You know that is right. So so wait. What okay. Round, let me let me hear. Yeah. What for what round do you think? Oh, I think this kid is a hands down first round corner. I think he's somewhere fifteen to thirty two. I wrote. If you're on the board, then you're taking Carlton Davis over Denzel Ward. He would be my type of guy more. And for my team, I would rather have this guy and certainly would rather have him over Josh Jackson. That's not even fault. To me, we're not hearing about this guy in the first round. I don't really understand it. Wow. I mean, he's the better version of Josh Jackson, and he plays on the island a lot during the game. He can play man-to-man, this kid. This kid, to me, was, I wrote in a lot of ways, I thought, I understand the Richard Sherman Com- comparisons. Yeah. Uh, another guy I wrote. I go. He's a he's a better coverage all around player than Artie Burns was. Mm. Artie Burns is probably a little bit faster straight away. Sure. But this guy's change of direction skills, transition and you skills. You Artie Burns. Play ball. Right. The way he can tackle this kid. Uh, he has potential later in his career to play safety. This kid. Mm. So that's where I also will play into this. But um, let me just get into a few of my lines here. About twenty seconds. Yeah. But I was really impressed with his man to man skills. Auburn. Auburn trusts him. They trust him on an island more than the Iowa kid or the Colorado kid, I wrote. The kid is legit. I really like him. First round hips are good. Burst is good. As you watch, he plays the ball really well. He's physical. Nothing goes uncontested. Yep. And um, I, I wrote, I like him more than Burns coming out. I like him more than Eli Apple, I wrote, who's the 10th pick of the draft. His ability at the line of scrimmage is really fucking good. And then I wrote, Zerline said he's Rich Sherman. And I wrote, I get that. Maybe better. He's got better feet than Richard Sherman, though, I wrote. So there you go. That was really good. Yeah. So right now, if you're ranking the three we've done, you would go Carlton Davis, Denzel Ward, and then Josh Jackson. Yes. Those out of those three, yes. I like it a lot. All right. 
next. Yeah, and I understand if somebody out there goes, oh, I like Denzel Ward better. I get that. I'm just saying the guy that fancies me. Yeah. I like Carlton Davis. He likes shit talkers. Yeah. Next up is... And I like the size and measurables. Next up is Isaiah Oliver. Right. And this one was reviewed by Brian Herney. Okay. He says that Isaiah Oliver is a long-armed corner who would be perfect for... Pre- so, <laughs> everyone's saying well, this. No, well, you should almost group these guys together. Right? Right? Like, they really are that similar? They're, they're all in that mold of player okay. where you go, it's, this is the bigger, longer corner. Okay, so let, me, right. let Brian finish. Yep. Nobody seems to get away from him if he gets his hands on them. Cannot emphasize enough how well he tracks the ball in the air on deep routes. Both of his picks this year came on plays down the field. He has some breathing room if he is beaten because of how long he is. And I would say he's got good enough straight-end speed, but not elite. Love the fact that he was a former wide receiver and switched to corner after his freshman year. I would not say he's anything special when it comes to tackling, but he's willing to put his body out there. Played some special teams, specifically returning punts. Struggled in zone D when he is off the line. Tends to get caught looking in the backfield in zone. Also tends to focus on deep routes or what is in front of him. He seems to get beat most often on intermediate routes. Worried uh, about him getting against quicker receivers. Lack short area quickness in the hips, yeah, but he can good. really run down the field well on a post. Over Overall, he's a scheme fit corner. I think he goes in the second, or if a team falls in love, maybe in the first. P.S. Give as much constructive criticism as possible. Looking for advice to get better at writing reports. Thank you. No, I like it. I think he's a lot of lot of very good points. Really, what round are you giving Brian? I'm giving this guy though. I said end. No, no. What are you giving Brian? Oh, I think that was a pretty that was. That was first round caliber. Ooh, good job, Brian. Well, listen, I'm not even saying it's all right, but all three guys have at least made points to support their stuff, which I like. Uh, but I'll say this. Okay, a lot of the things he said, he is. He's a tall, long Seattle scheme fit. He does play the ball down well. Right. Uh, but like our buddy said there, I mean, he gets beat on intermediate routes. Well, that's because he's not very good with short area quickness or so his ability right. to transition. So he was totally right. And there's no really burst when he turns and runs or puts his foot in the ground and goes, oh, I'm backpedaling. Let me break on this out route and do something. There's nothing there. So, so what was your your round projection? I said for late second, early third to so me. So he's now taking your fourth spot out yeah, of the Yeah, because you, you would have a heart attack if you said, oh, this kid's got to cover Antonio Brown 40 snaps in a game. You'd go, well, he's going to, I mean, Antonio Brown's going to fake the slant and come out and have 900 yards. So on then those where two. do you use a guy in today's NFL that's not good at short area quickness? Yeah, well, again, it's going to be a zone scheme type of fit. So him versus Marvin Jones is a matchup you like for Isaiah Oliver. Yes, as long as it just doesn't become too much. If he can get the other point our guy made, he's amazing. If this guy gets his hands on you at the line of scrimmage, it's over. That's what really? I really like. Yeah, it's just like the kid. That's the kid from Auburn too. Carlton Davis, the best jammer I've seen in the draft at this point. Wow. I mean, he will put you in the first row of the stadium if he gets his hands and on Isaiah's you. Isaiah's good with his hands too. Yeah, this kid is good. Um, but I wrote anything. You know, even back shoulder throws, they're very tough for him. Comebacks because his ability seconds. to stop and then break on the ball is not good. He's a lot. Like a Rasul Douglas, an Eric ah. Rowe type of guy, right? I just would so scare me. the Eagles me. will draft him in the third. <laughs> and then they'll trade him to the Patriots. That was good. Thanks. Okay. Uh, next one is going to be Dante Jackson out of LSU. I'm going to have Fendrick read because I am not good at reading. All right, so Dante Jackson, this is from Trey Ray. Trey Ray. submission here. So, pros, he has elite speed that shows up in his play, has so much recovery speed that he would purposely stay in his backpedal for too long just to make guys think they could get by. Physical with a line of scrimmage, plays press, catch technique, and off coverage, is naturally sticky in man, breaks on the ball well, has played outside at corner, inside at nickel, and even a bit of safety in his junior year, not afraid of contact, much more willing tackler than you would think. Mm. Cons, frame is 
is small, can and will be moved in the run game at times. Bigger wide receivers can also box him out on 50-50 balls. Yes. Will duck his head at times when tackling. Is a willing tackler, but not the most sound. Right. Really raw, can be grabby at times. Ton of dropped interceptions. Pro, uh, pro comparison ceiling is Janoris Jenkins. Floor is Fabian Washington. Mm. Thoughts? I, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Trey, Trey Ray, Ray, baby. God, I am... You've liked all the scouting reports. I really so have, far. guys. Have. You guys are awesome. They're doing. They really are. Uh, this, this kid's interesting. Okay, Trey Ray. He's special. I mean, Trey Ray's special. Well, no, Trey Ray. Dante Jackson's special. Oh, yes. Trey Ray's pretty special <laughs> scouter. Wait, I can see. okay. So you have had Ward in the fifteen to thirty-two. You've had Jackson in the second. Carlton Davis in fifteen to thirty-two. Isaiah Oliver late second. Where are you putting Dante Jackson? I think this kid's a first-round talent. Now, why do you say he's special? Because he can mirror you and stay in your hip pocket, like our buddy said, just like Denzel Ward. I mean, his cover skills are phenomenal. The size is going to be an issue on the outside. What size are we talking about? I mean, we're talking about 5'10", 178. Yeah, that's an issue. Yeah, right. And Denzel Ward's not much bigger. So that's why people, like, I get a little annoyed sometimes where we go, this guy's the seventh pick and this guy's nowhere in the first round. Marshawn Lattimore... Lattimore, yeah. I always confuse right. him. Marshawn Lattimore can shut down Mike Evans, right? But you know, Ward against him might be an they issue. They have no chance. They have none. No chance. I mean, there's. I mean, we talked about it with Ward. We saw college kids catch the ball over him when he was all over it. So I can promise you, the NFL guys are because gotcha. some of those guys he's covering are not going to be in college. Jackson, he's a little bit honey badgerish. Okay. He can he can really cover. He's really explosive. Like the buddy said, he really throws his body around. His name's Trey Ray. Trey, he's my buddy, okay? My buddy Trey said he could he throws his body. Yeah, it's a little reckless at times. I he might it. miss tackles. He plays nickel, he plays safety. He is your ideal nickel back in the NFL. Ooh. If you've got two good corners on the outside and you're going, we're missing this third guy, which is very valuable this yeah. day and age in the league. And maybe I've even undervalued it in prior years. I think you may have. Yeah. This guy can do that. And he, of course, can play outside, but you can be better than Quentin Rollins? Definitely. Okay, this guy's just, a special, what? special, explosive athlete. Like, yeah, give he, me your overall. You got 15 yeah, seconds. I mean, okay. All right. I mean, uh, let's see. Uh, ability to mirror awesome. Kill, we'll throw his body right. Acceleration, hips, transition. They're as good as they get. I mean, it doesn't get any better. I didn't think I was going to like this kid, but the more I watch. Um, but, uh, Eight seconds. I, other than the size, what's not to like? There's nothing not to like. I mean, he's all over people in man-to-man coverage. He plays nickel safety, competes for the ball. He's physical. Um, he's honey badger-ish. And the only weakness you can look at is just the size thing. I'm missing something else I wanted to say. Fuck your beeper. But yes, I, I was in... like. I like this kid a lot. His acceleration, his explosion, his hips. Is there I mean, a Bob Sanders like concern? Ward, like Ward, no, because this guy's a true corner, not a safety like gotcha. that, where he's going to throw his body around. Like Ward, though, he's amazing in transition and change of direction stuff. All right, next one is going to be Jair Alexander out of Louisville, yeah. and it is being read by Fendrick, but the scouting report is from Luis Oropesa. Luis tried to send us another scouting report, but he's only getting one, and he's getting Jair Alexander. Alexander is a cornerback from Louisville who has established himself as a playmaker who can impact the game on defense and in the return game. Mm -hmm. He's got an aggressive jam at the line, which makes it hard for most wide receivers to get off with a clean release. A lot of good Uh, jams in this cornerback. Yeah. 
Uh, feet to transition out. Okay, so where am I? Uh, feet to transition out. I got totally lost. Okay, when the ball is in the air, it's his ball or no ball. Always tries to go for the turnover. Has awareness to, t- to attack the football in hands of receivers at the catch point. Will cut low on bigger and noticeable stronger ball carriers, but is never afraid to tackle. Overall, Alexander is a competitive cornerback whose swagger, foot quickness, and hip mobility gives him the ability to play press man and zone coverage in any scheme. What do you think? I mean, I've got, they're doing their homework. I'll say that. Good job, Luis. And I feel Luis. like I feel like a proud papa because I feel like these guys are listening to us and looking at the right things. That's right. where I feel like they're a looking proud at proud papa. Proud papa. All right, what round are you putting around Jair? Oh, like this for Jair? For Jair, okay, the player. Oh, Jair. the actual player. I like Jair a lot. The only negative on Jair is that he there's not a he didn't play every game this year. I, like for me, I like Jair more than Denzel Ward. So, are you saying in the ten to twenty range? Yeah, I mean, I wow. Yes. So he's your highest ranked. Corner. I think I'd have no problem with him being twenty or above, right? I mean, he's somewhere in that. I do. So, who do you have ranked higher, Carlton you, Davis or Jair Alexander? I'd probably go Jair Alexander. Wow! Yeah. And we have a new number one corner, Jair Alexander. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, so let me hear. Give me your overall. You got 30 seconds. Yeah, well, I mean, Denzel Ward, they're similar size, but Jair Alexander plays so much bigger than Denzel Ward. It's more physical. I mean, uh, not afraid to throw his body around. He's not as smooth and, and fluid in all movements as Ward, but he's um, but he's better, more explosive, and he has a better burst out of transition to make plays on the ball. I mean, like the guy said, it's either – no one catches it, right? He reminds me of a lot of like William, William Jackson, who came out of Houston sure. a few years ago. Uh, Chidobia Wuze from last year. I mean, yeah, it's a little raw, the, t- the, the, the tight hips a little bit, but man, the straight burst is as impressive as it gets. And then I wrote down, I went, whoa, well, his 5'10'5 was 3'9'8. So that just tells you how explosive he is. Yeah. He can stop on a dime. 14 the kid, seconds. The kid's intensity, swag. You can see he likes to complete plays with an attitude, unique ability to play zone on off, watch the QB like a Marcus Peters and break on the ball and see both. It's very good. His ability to stick a foot in the ground and burst is as good as it gets in this draft. When he puts his foot and says, I'm going this way, yeah. he is at top speed within three steps. Um, yeah, screw your get, buzzer. He'll get one more point in there. And he's a phenomenal returner. I mean, he, he really? has the ability to be one of the best punt returners in the sport. Right. Really? Yeah, he's a special guy at that. Yes. Um, hold on. Only play by games this year. Another. Has values return as well, but didn't... Okay. Yeah. Like Ward, I wrote one of the things, too, is you don't get to see him cover anybody top notch. That's my pure. Last corner. But I like his strength, his burst, and his ball skills make it close with the Ward thing. And I like his size and physicality better. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right. Jair Alexander. And the last one is Kevin Tolliver II. Being scouted by Connor O'Neill. No, we can't go with him because you're not even putting my number one corner in the list right now, my last one. You have, we're missing my number All right, one. Well, let's get through. Kev- you have a number one that we haven't said? Yes. Stay tuned for Sims' number one corner that we who's haven't he, said. Who's this guy breaking oh, down? Kevin Tolliver. I didn't watch him yet, so there's no point in reading it. So, Connor O'Neill, I'd like to formally apologize. Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, I don't Tolliver's know. the other LSU kid? I don't. Yeah, he's the LSU kid. Okay. All right. Well, then that means that I don't. I don't have think he's down. in the class of these guys. So okay. I love this. I think you're a little. So then I have a name that's not even on the list. Hold on. I had one quick question. Who do you have higher, Dante Jackson or Denzel Ward? Man, I'm gonna say Denzel Ward, okay. but it's barely. So that means that you have Denzel Ward as your fourth ranked corner. 
Sims. Right now, who am I three ahead I'm, of him? I'm, I'm going to do this right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, two, I have Jair and the two, Auburn kid three, ahead of him. Four. This was kind of fun ranking this live. Yeah, I enjoyed good. it. It was good. You having a good time today? I am. Good. We got radio in 10 minutes. I know. Thank We're watching you. the clock. Yeah. That means your seventh-ranked corner is Isaiah Oliver. Your sixth-ranked corner is Josh Jackson. Your fifth-ranked corner is Dante Jackson. Your fourth-ranked corner, Denzel Ward. Your third-ranked corner, Carlton Davis. Your second-ranked corner, Jair Alexander. And Sims's number one corner of the class of 2018 is... Mike Hughes, Central Mike Florida. Mike Hughes, Central Florida. Yes, sir. Wow. Yes, sir. Da, 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 da. Let us hear about Mike Hughes Man. from Central Florida. All right. So, he, so when I went on that rant the other day about right. saying that Shaquem Griffin is clearly good because there's no one on this UCF defense, I was off by a little bit. Huh? Just a little bit. Just a bit outside. Mike Hughes, UCF. Oh, damn. I wanted to pull. All right. First of all, he ran a 4-5, okay? What picks are we talking right now? I, I mean, to me, this is the Could best. Could he be the guy that goes at seven? He's the best corner in the draft for me. Wow. I mean, yes. Okay. First of all. He's the best returner in the draft, too. Even better than Jair Alexander. Or the, or my Chark in LSU. You just said that Jair Alexander could be one of the best returners in the game. And this kid can be right up there. He's going to be better. He's better than Jair as a returner. Yeah, he is. This kid's special with the ball in his hand. Start off with the overall and then there work your way back. Okay. I like when you start with your last paragraph. Okay. All right, I'll do that. Sorry. I'm just, I'm just trying to pull this. It sets the tone. But, I mean, all right, so I just want to say this. First of all, he ran four five three. He plays a lot faster than four okay. five three. Like you know, that doesn't mean everything. Okay, but either way, okay. So my last thing is, man, big fan of this kid. <laughs> He's in the convo for the best cornerback in the draft. I mean, Ward, cornerback. Uh, uh, if Ward is everyone's number one, well, I wrote shit. I like him better than Ward. He's a true shutdown number one cornerback. Wow, his, you haven't said that yet. His strengths and toughs will allow him to cover big wide receivers, a Sutton like SMU. I saw it. In, I saw it on film because they played SMU, and he can be the best punt returner in football. Right. Um, so, I think what I liked about him first of all is his ability to jam at the line of scrimmage, tackle, stay in the hip pocket of receivers like Ward or the LSU kid. I mean, his ability in and out of transition was all top-notch, right? Yes. I wrote, like his body, smaller cornerback, but has good build, like his legs. I know he's less than Ward in weight, but just doesn't look it. Uh, Doesn't look as slim and as frail as Ward. Uh, You just find out right away this kid's not afraid of contact. Amazing feet like Ward from Ohio State. He likes to press and get hands on you. He's twitchy as hell. And more straight-ahead explosion than Ward. I know the top end is not as good, uh, but tackling, he's the best tackling cornerback yet. Very good in zone. His ability to react to accelerate is his ability to react and accelerate is top-notch. Full speed in two to three steps. This kid can play outside because of strength, but he's going to be more valuable in the slot too because his side-to-side movement, hips are all off the charts good. He is really good slot material. His top end would scare me a little. Um, Versus, versus some of the top end NFL wide receivers, but I'm not even at the it. end of my film, I wrote not true. 
his top end's fine because I still have to see more. So that's I go back and correct you myself. You like this kid a lot. I do. I wrote, uh, other than Ward, I wrote, he is the most efficient and effortless in and out of transition. Mm. The more I watch, the more comfortable I am. I am with his top end speed. The four three is not, you know, the four five three is not his real time. I want to give a special and shout. And then out. wait, hold on one more thing. I went. Golly. No one ever really ever gets open against this kid. This is where I missed my ending thing. No one ever gets open. Like I watched, I mean, almost every coverage snap of the guy. I said, there's nobody ever open. Did guys catch it from time to time? Sure. And then I wrote, um, this motherfucker hawks. Everyone, and you know I love Hawkers. So Sims and Lefko, especially Sims, when there's a wide receiver running down the field, oh. and you see a guy come out of nowhere, it's called hawking. Yes, and that's what Goodwin did to uh, 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 Patrick Peterson in the, last in the interception, year. Right, and that is a true sign of speed. Yes, when you need to hit the afterburners, can you do it? He, and he can. Oh my God! I want to give a special shout out to Brett Throckold, Mitch Neeson. Colin, can I call you Colin? Brian Herney, Trey Ray, Luis Oropesa, and Connor O'Neill. Guys, thank you so much for sending in your scouting reports. That is now Sims's cornerback rankings. Mike Hughes, Jair Alexander, Carlton Davis, Denzel Ward, Dante Jackson, Josh Jackson, Isaiah Oliver. That is your top seven. Good convo. I think those four, I'm up for argument on all of them. Hughes, Jair, Carlton, and Denzel. Yes. But would you put Dante in there too? For Dante LSU? is a he's a little bit of a different gotcha. animal because I don't think his value on the outside is up there with him because you of the see him slightness. as a true slot. I guy. think he's a true slot guy. And you have first round grades on Hughes, Alexander, Carlton, and Denzel all at some point in the first. And Dante Jackson. And Dante Jackson. I mean, yeah. So you have those five guys. So which one of those would the Patriots be most interested in? If Ooh. Hughes is, I would imagine Hughes. Let's say is gone. Right. Man. Jair Carlton, maybe Carlton. He sounds more like that well, kind of guy. Well, they got the Stefan Gilmore. So I don't know what they they maybe want to go to the Malcolm Butler if guy. If they go Jair, they can also fill Amendola's role of returning. Returner, no doubt. So that's interesting. Right. Guys, those are his takes. I'd love to hear your takes about his takes. This is a packed show, but it's a Wednesday, and that's what we do. That's what we do. Episode 160, I enjoyed the conversation with Big Phil Sims. We even got the throwback of the music. We got to go. Thank you, as always, for subscribing on iTunes. Go and check that out now. Ooh, oh, yes. nice. There Silky transition. For Sims. Peace out, homies. For Fendrick. Good night, everyone. For the L-E-F-K-O-E. Man. Thank you guys for watching on YouTube. As always, subscribe on iTunes and share with your friends. We are in the process of getting merchandise made. Are we? One shirt will be coming out soon. I'm not going to tell you what it's about, but I'm excited for it. Love you guys. Have a great night. Have a great weekend. We'll holler at you on Monday. Be well.